Are we welcoming back? Is that what we're doing? Oh, just a minute. No, this is a Knife Journal Podcast, episode 79, is it? I think so. And we're at the Bark River Grind-In, so you're going to hear a lot of uh, noise kind of in the background off and on. A lot of hoopla. Right. It's uh, the June Grind-In. Is there an yes. official name? Um, the June Grind-In. Okay. The June Bark River. This is, a, I think, the Bark River Collectors Club Association Grind-In, I think. Okay. Like that. It's a good time, and even if you're not a member, you can still come. Yeah. And uh, so Jim and I are up here kind of helping out, trying to, you know, get business done and, you know, make sure people move through the lines. And uh, actually three other custom knifers came up, uh, knife makers, and to help out. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to get everybody on the podcast. And we have with us Mr. Fightmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well. It's uh, it's great to be up here with Mike and, and hanging out with him. He's he's a mentor to me. He really has taught me a lot. Um, being a self-made knife maker, YouTube's what taught me, and I had no formal training. So meeting with Mike has been. What was the, what was the first time you you uh, met Mike? Um, it was uh, so <clears throat> not the first time you came up here. When was the first time you started chatting with him about? So yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Um, just. I, you know, trying to get my name out there, talk with the guys on Facebook, uh, show off my work on there, and Mike started noticing my stuff and liking it, and and we just kind of started talking from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you came up here the first time for in March. Yeah, yeah, March grinding. Uh, no, it was no, 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 that was that other. It was just a meeting of yep, 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 yeah. yep. So what? Um, just so before we go too much further, um, say your name and how people can find your knives. Okay. Um, my name's Joshua Fightmaster. I'm one of three guys who started up Triple J Knife Works. We all start, first names start with a J, so that's how we kind of came up with the name. And um, we can be found uh, at TripleJKnifeWorks.com. Um, you can find us at Facebook forward slash Triple J Knife Works. And uh, there is actually a YouTube channel. Not much happening on it right now, um, but Facebook's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the lead maker, and the other guys are kind of part-time in the shop. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so we have some examples of, I just walked, he's got a table full, like 30 knives like or more. And I went through and I picked out ones that I thought were in, intriguing, at least to my eye. Um, so which, which, which one do you want to talk about first? These are off the table. Yeah, those are those aren't yours, right? These no, are some not at all. So it's these these four. I like this guy. What's the story with this guy with the lightning in the handle? All right, so <coughs> um, the knife itself is kind of just like a general multi-purpose camp hunting knife. Um, I basically took a profile that we had and uh, and modified it for that. But what's really going on with this knife and what, and what the people are going to see if they, you know, look at it is there's this crazy, cr- like, crevice running down the center of it. And it's just random. Mm-hmm. 
Um, looks like lightning. It does look like lightning, and that's what I tell people. That knife rode the lightning. <laughs> it uh, it had fifteen thousand volts of electricity ran through it. Okay. Um, and it, I have a little control over it, but it's kind of random on which way it goes. Well, what's interesting about this is my Carta is an insulator, correct? Yeah, that's being G10. G10. This yeah. is G10. Yeah, it's an insulator. Okay, so. Uh, how did you get the voltage to go through that? Was that through the pins? No. Um, we take the, the handle completely off the knife, and we do it off the knife. Okay. Um, we use an electrolyte solution. So the electrolyte allows the current to throw, okay. You okay. Know, throw through the, the material. Okay. okay. That's pretty wild. It kind of looks like a riverbed. kind of gives you that appearance, like a like a, a tributary system. A canyon or something. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And, and with that G10 in particular, it being camo, three different colors, it, it, it has a lot going on. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's kind of neat. I've not seen that done before. So how um we'll have to take you, a picture of this and Instagram I, this. Yeah, I got it. I got all four of these that and it'll be up uh on my Instagram on uh, Green Velvet. So check that out. Um tell us about the finish. Okay, so the finish um I I want my knives to be used and I you use a knife you're gonna scratch it you know, inevitably. It's just gonna happen if you're you're heavy using the knife. So what I like to do is I like to use high carbon steels. Um, I'll use stainless and stuff as well. But with my high carbons, I like to use a, a, a really dark finish. Um, sometimes I do it with acid. Sometimes I do it with gun blue. But then I tumble them to give them a stone-washed appearance on them. Uh-huh. And if you nick it or scratch it, it kind of just blends into the finish. Yeah. Um, with the high carbon, it also is going to protect it from the elements and whatnot as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a functional finish. Yep. Yeah, it's good looking. Very attractive. Now the uh, there's two. Um, the next one I want to talk about is um, this, and it's if if I'm going to describe it, it's got a uh, almost like a Japanese chef knife shape, like santuko. Yeah, like mini. With, but with a with a continuous curve from the um, sharpening notch to the tip. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us tell us about this one. So uh, it, it's got a lot of inspiration, right? I'm, I'm big into Warncliffe's. I love Warncliffe knives. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a modified Warncliffe. It's kind of a modified sheep's foot. Uh-huh. You know, an Esmook. You know, it's it's got a, it's got a lot to gather from. And basically, what it was is I was designing a, a family of knives, and this this knife in particular shares the handle with a couple of other smaller knives, um, and it. Basically, when I was designing this one, I, I was pulling from what I like, uh-huh. which is the modified Warncliffe. And it, it just, I saw the picture in my head, and I kind of just drew it on the paper, and it, it I brought it to life. Um, it also shares the same finish that the uh, the hunting knife here has, but uh, I've also done some, um, it looks like a kind of like a faux napping, like you would do with like flint mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, toward the toward the top of the spine. So it's a, it's a full flat grind all the way up and then the napping. Do you, uh, oh, what is this knife called? Officially, does it have a name? <laughs> Jim is pointing at the the, 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 the one with the lightning. It, it's just it. my hunting knife. Um, okay, so it's not, it doesn't have an official name? Not right? not currently. Um, I'm working on all that to try to come up. I'm, I'm Like the Wild Bill Hickok or something like that? Yeah, something. Okay. Yeah, something out there. <laughs> okay. And then, Buffalo uh, Bill Cody. Another knife, uh, just because it's unusual looking, um, is this one that looks kind of like a straight razor. Um, tell us, tell us about this one. 
So when, like I said, two of the guys in the shop are part-time, and what I usually have them do is they, they'll, we start with a regular bar still, and we'll spray it out with layout dye, and, and I have my patterns and trace them on. So I'll have the guys, I'll say, I need five of these and so many of these and whatever, and there's, there's always a piece left at the end, right? And so one of my guys had a piece left at the end, and he took one of my, my normal handles that I have on my smaller knives, and he did that, and he left the bar rectangular at the end so that I could do whatever I wanted with it. And I instantly picked it up, and I was like, that looks like a straight razor. So, I, you know, it, it was just more or less for, for fun. It, you know, it's, it's not like a running model or anything like that. It was just something to, let's, let's do something different. Yeah. I mean that that's uh you know, I, I was looking around for something that was kinda unusual and You found it. Yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. And that's got that napping on there also. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last one is you have a whole table full of these. Um and it's it's a uh tell us describe it. So these are my take on the Japanese Kiridashi, the Japanese utility blade. A lot of people make them really large. Um, I think that an everyday utility blade should be something that isn't going to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. It's something that you're going to be able to just pull out, use it to do everyday utility tasks. Um, a lot of carpenters like them because uh, they, they're chisel ground, so on one side it's completely flat. So if you're doing fine carpentry work, you can mark with a rule. Leather workers like them for you know just working with leather. But in, in general, when I designed this knife, um, my thought was utility, utilitarian the whole way. It's cool. Very, it is purely utilitarian. And, and um, very nicely so, done too. So instead of just leaving it with a, um, just a generic kind of flat finish, you you did some. Tell us about that. Yeah, like a rock patterning. Uh, I've got a, a few patterns that we run. We run kind of like the, the Anzo with the triangles, you know, running up through it. This is just a random rock pattern, and it's really weird as a knife maker. We say random, but when you start grinding that stuff in, it, it's weird how random is not random. <laughs> yeah. It just comes up as a pattern. Uh, yeah, well, it's I like mean, random that keeps repeating itself. <laughs> yes, and you have to find a way to not make it repeat itself. So, yeah, I've got a couple finishes with that, um, the, the Anzo, the rock pattern. I have, like, a bamboo-looking finish that I like to do on them, um, and, and I always come up with different patterns. Sweet. Yeah, very nicely done. So the um, since you've been uh, uh, coming up and working with Mike, has, has your designs changed much or not so much, or what, what is it that you picked up from him that you were doing different than before? So, Mike has inspired me on some of the design work, um, like his Bravo series of knives. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the new, I've got a family of knives, like, uh, like the one here with the modified Warncliffe that I'm working on, um, and they all kind of share the same handle. Before, my, my handles were all over the place, my blades were all over the place, because I, I was, you know, I've been doing this for two years now, so I'm, I'm just trying to find my niche, you know? Mm-hmm. And and Mike had inspired me. He said, create a family of knives that kind of use the same handle. He said, and and play with your blades. Right. But, but keep your handle kind of, find something comfortable and stick with it. So, yeah, Mike definitely inspired that. And um, not only that, but as I said, being trained on YouTube, never having any formal training, coming up here and having Jim and, and, uh, and, and Mike Kovac and, and Skittles and all those guys just helping 
me to refine my skills and and figure out how to do grinds I never knew how to do. Right. Um, it, it's, it's almost it's, like it's almost like the YouTube teachers always leave one critical piece out. Affir- affirmative. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah. This is how you do it. Okay. Well, why? Yeah. <laughs> how did you just do that? Because I really didn't see how your hand moved to cover and remove that piece of metal. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is kind of interesting. And I know that the guys do that out there. They're very good teachers. Um, the grind-ins have been big success because of that. Yeah. yeah uh, I can. I, this is what one of the biggest ones they've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, any, anything else? What's, what's new in the pipeline? Um, I, I think you might be seeing some of our stuff real soon at a lot of places. So keep your eye out for that. Okay. Sweet. Nothing you can disclose yet, huh? Not at all. But, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 you know very blessed. Yep. I'll say that. Coming right along then. Well, good. It was it was nice having you on, and uh, we'll we'll try to uh, get an update in the future. All right. And uh, keep in touch and and uh, make this a kind of a regular habit. Just talking with a handful of good knife makers that that. Uh, Share the share the same kind of philosophy about sharing ideas and stuff. We all love playing with knives. Right? Oh yeah, no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. So one more time, how do they how do they find you? Um, so Facebook's going to be the the immediate first place to look, uh, and that's just Triple J Knifeworks on Facebook, and then TripleJKnifeworks.com is our web page. Um, we're working on developing that a little bit further than what it is, um, and then on our website there's there's that phone number on our website rings directly to me, guys. <laughs> cool. Can't beat that with a stick. Yep. All right, well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yep, have a good one. All right, bye. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Next victim is another knife maker. Uh, <laughs> why, don't, why don't you tell us uh, who you are and how people can find you? Okay, uh, Jesse Hemphill, and I'm from Northeast Alabama, uh, from Kentucky originally, but I live in Northeast Alabama. I'm, you know, <laughs> nobody's perfect. Uh, yeah, you can find me. I've got a website. It's called uh, Uncle Jesse's Knives uh, com or Facebook, of course, Jesse Hemphill. Um, the pictures come up. I'm the handsome bald one, you know. So, uh, so that's a very exclusive club. Yeah. So, only the best have the uh, <laughs> only the best have glasses and, and shaved heads. That's right. But uh, that's right. So Jim and I have are we're probably a little bit uh, distracted here. I'm holding a box of gorgeous. Forged Damascus, Damascus knives uh, with exotic handle materials and, you know... Uh, shame! Yeah, okay, so he's... <laughs> I, I'll have to edit that out. Um, Little baby ones. But uh, he's got, you know, the, the handmade guards, just everything is gorgeous. They remind me a lot of uh, Moran knives. Did, did uh, you, you're Damascus? Yes. 
You're a Damascus. I do. I forge all that myself. Nice. What do you, uh, you must have an auto hammer. <laughs> I use a press now, but I'm fixing to get a hammer. And I've got a, actually, I've got a rolling mill coming in. I'm fixing to have to pick up a hammer. Yeah. Too. I sold my hammer, the old one. And, and, but a press don't do what a hammer does and vice versa. And I didn't know that till it was too late. So you can do, you can, you're still going to keep both. Oh, yeah. There's certain things you can do yeah, with the yeah. press. With the so with the press is the is the process any different? You how does it stay hot enough to do it? Yeah. It it's different because it it's using pressure instead of the hammer, which uses impact. Yeah. And it's just a difference. You can't draw out with a press like yeah. you can. And there's like a diminishing returns because the thinner it gets, the harder it is to compress it. Yeah. I don't really understand why, but anyway, but that's... Uh, it's magic. That's why I've said that before. It's one of those cool things. The press, though, is is good for really breaking down steel, and it's not as noisy, you know. When... So when you're when you're talking about a press, like if somebody wanted to Google search for your press, what what would they look for? Oh goodness, uh, just you press. put just uh, hydraulic presses, hydraulic press, and my name probably homemade hydraulic press because I built it out of a uh, log splitter. Okay. And you know everybody says, oh, they're not strong. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I beefed it up, changed, uh, took the gas motor, put electric on it. It does everything I want it to, and then so. Now, when you're putting it in there, it's it's, I mean, forge welding temperature, yeah, right? Yeah, it's around 23, yeah. 2350. It's hot. Yeah. Now, when you're doing your Damascus, uh, what what two steels are you? I'm using the 1095 and the 15 and 20, which yeah, it's. I used to use some different stuff, but that stuff, it welds together so much better. I yeah. think the alloys are so so much similar. But, with you know, with the nickel, then you get that contrast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't I don't count layers and all that stuff. I just do one until I think it's done, you know. Uh-huh. And I don't. So it's like a just random pattern. Yeah. A truly with, random pattern. Yeah, when you feel like you folded enough. And, and, you know, the cool thing, I just got a new forge going this last week. And uh, so I'm gonna start trying some of the, the mosaic stuff. The other one I had, it just wasn't big enough and didn't have quite what I wanted. And uh, like then some, I've got a, like 15 billets welded up right now, and I'm gonna. Uh, and some of four or five of them, I just you know I get started. I think you know I think I'll twist this one, so I stick it over in a vise and twist it. Uh, you know, I, when I'm doing that stuff, it's just it's kind of organic. I just I just love forging. That's why I do this is because I just love playing with steel. I actually served a five-year apprenticeship in ornamental iron work. Oh, cool. So, uh, you know, when I left there, you know, the old man of work said, you are technically, you are a journeyman smith now. You know, not a journeyman ABS, but right. journeyman blacksmith. You right, know, right. Forge, you know. So, anyway, and that's how I got started doing this stuff. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's nicely, nicely done stuff. Yeah, Random gorgeous. pattern Damascus looks beautiful, and I'm looking at the edges, and I'm not seeing any, man, no flaws in the edges or nothing. That's really nice. Yeah. You know, because that's where you would usually have a, mm-hmm. and it, a misfire. Yeah, and it, <laughs> and it shows whenever they yep. do, you know. Yeah, very nice and, uh, done. Those, the ones that, when they do have that, and you come, those are called test blades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's those are the ones that get stressed and put in the bias and bent and all that. Because I'm and you can't usually, you can't usually get that out of there. No, 
No. You so, know, no matter how far you grind it back, and, it never. No, it, it's it's in there, and so, you know, if it's like that, I'm I just go ahead and and, but at that point they've already been heat treated, so it's like you know, well let's just see how far we can carry this. So you know. So I'm noticing one of the things I'm noticing is this. There's a, like a reoccurring handle theme mm-hmm. that seems to be maybe uh, this might have been an earlier knife, and these are all kind of morphing into this kind of like this style, um, or no? Am I missing? No, uh, the way I do, I generally I make a bunch of blades, and then I fit the guards on them, and then I lay them out, and then I start mixing handle materials and trying to match the right handle material with the patterns on the blade, mm-hmm. you know, because some of them that you look at them and, well, that don't look good, but they, and so that I just wanted to do a piece of ebony and that's got more of a darker edge to it, more of a sand mine. And I thought I wanted to kind of put the black of that handle. And I just, I had that piece of ebony. I just wanted to use it. Well, I'm, so, I'm seeing I'm, the, I'm seeing the and, shape. <clears throat> yeah. Kind of a shape morphing into something yeah. maybe like this. Yeah. And I like just, this. I like that kind of, that handle shape. And, of course, I love wood, you know, exotic or figured woods, you know, maple and maple and walnut burl, my two favorite mm-hmm. uh, things. And so I, I've got, I do my own stabilizing and, uh, you know, and those are just, those are just the things I like. Man, I've got the Osage and so you're, it's... So you're it's, pretty much... Are the sole author of these? Yeah, I mean you're not buying stabilized wood from anyone. No, uh-uh. pretty much it's you and God. Yeah. How are you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How are you? How are you doing your stabilizing? I don't want to tell that. Oh, <laughs> everybody tells something. All right, it's okay. a secret. Uh, I just got a, a mix that I used. I, I'll tell you, and I actually I found that Zoe Zoe Christ was the one yeah. that told me, "Hey, mix this stuff up," and then I'm using a. A vacuum chamber, yeah, and pulling it, you know, okay. and so that, uh, and I'm just, I don't, know, I love what I'm using there, and like I said, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give credit to him because he did tell me. Well, it's, it's it is it. interesting that because a lot of knife makers aren't going that far to where they're actually stabilizing their own, they're making their own steel, or yeah. you know, and that's that's kind of different, you know, you you bring in a unique sole author, you do all your leather work too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's so wonderful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not that's well, the part you know I don't like. I would really rather farm that stuff out to somebody else. I don't. That's that is, that's the part I don't enjoy. Yeah, I, I never have. I don't guess I ever will. Um, that's where you find your wife to do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I am single. So there you go. <laughs> find your wife. Yeah. Um, but uh, I know you could find some, probably some crazy-eyed lady that wants to sew leather. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm gonna leave that alone. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's better to let those lay. Yeah, I, I do. I like your handles. I really like that. Uh, yeah, this one's really. This one this is particularly good. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. just. Uh, I like that shape. I don't know. And of course, I'm a sucker for those. I don't know if that's exactly a clip point. I don't know what you call, but I love that yeah, shape of blade. I just that some and of course the scandies. I love buoys and scandies are probably my, and and I don't have any right now, but I love stuff, Skagel, anything Skagel inspired, but I, I, you know, like I said, sometimes, and when I'm doing a big bunch like this, I don't really sit down and plan um, and draw, no, I draw out, but I never make what I draw, 
or I, it never <laughs> comes out what I think it, what I think I want to do. You know, I forge everything out, and then I just go to grinding, and it just it turns well. Falls I think, into place. yeah, it just kind of happens. You know, so you know, I have tons of stuff patterns hanging on the wall, and I never use them I, <laughs> unless somebody specific. If they send me a drawing and say this is what I want. Okay, that's what you'll get to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. But uh, how long how long have you been doing this? Uh, this is crazy. I actually started in '86 or '87, and I worked full time at it from like '89 to '95, and then stuff happened. Kids came along. I needed a real job. Blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of dropped out. I didn't quit making, but I'd make like five a year or something, you know, just. Right, just to keep it. Yeah, and then uh, a couple years ago, um, I started back, you know, uh, it's just me and my son. And so in the summers when I'm off from school, I, you know, started. And then last year I didn't do anything because he was going in the military and I wanted to spend time with him. And then after he left, I was lost. And so I just didn't do much. And in in December, uh, somebody called and said, hey, I need 13 knives. And you, are you making anything? Well, I said, uh, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so I've got with it, and it's just, it's just kind of exploded since then. I've stayed busy. I've, you know, <clears throat> I spent all of January building the press, and then I spent, Seem like I'm spending most of my summer working, redoing, retooling in the shop, and and just trying to get things running smoother so I can put things out and making things look like I want them to look. You know, uh, you know, I, I like to say, you know, every time I make one, it's the best. Now sometimes they suck, <laughs> and <laughs> those are called presents, or you know, uh, or they're shop knives or whatever, you know. But uh, and so you're I'm still teaching school right now. Yeah, paperwork gets much harder, and the control of the government gets much worse. Let's see where we're at a year from now. Right. Maybe right. think. Maybe I got some things in the works that, you know, I love teaching. I love the kids. So the kids love me. You know, they say they do. And and uh, but you know, there's there's got to be other things in the world. <laughs> so you know, like I said, I've got some things coming up. So we'll see where at. You know, cool. We'll cool. visit back this time next year and see where we're at. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, how? how uh, once again, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, again, the, the best things through the Facebook. You know, my name. Um, Spell your last name for people. H E M P H I L L. Okay. Hemp Hill. It's a good Scottish name, and uh, and. Comes from where you think it does. <laughs> My people were rope makers originally, and they grew hemp to make rope. Now that's where the name comes from. Awesome. So, uh, and I catch a lot of flack for that, but you know. Yeah, because you're not a pro pot guy. No, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> no. Uh, Legalized I pot. Like yes, some, in your, I like well, Where beer. you're from? You're, you're, you're from moonshine country. <laughs> I was gonna say, I like beer, and I actually stopped and got some moonshine on the way up here. Yeah. Did you? I don't know where it disappeared to, and I can't say where it came from, but anyway. Now, how, how long was your family uh, in Kentucky before you migrated? So, was it multi-generations, or? Nah, just a few. Just a it, few? Yeah. And was there, just, now I need a full confession. Was there a family recipe? Uh, 
For the hemp or for no? The... Yeah, <laughs> they're from Scotland. Yeah, there was. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, and that's that's everybody that I knew uh, from Kentucky had. Yeah, them. I just got embarrassed. My head suddenly turned red. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, they said hemp. Yeah. No, but the... no, but everybody from Kentucky whose family was there for several generations. Yeah. That somebody somewhere made some, and uh, they and took great pride. And in it's and you know, mother still makes granddaddy's wine out of his wine recipe. You yeah. Know, so, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, my my family uh, during the depression, they some members uh, um, got to spend a little time uh, at the university. <laughs> in but, prison. Uh, yeah, yeah. At the university. <laughs> That's where they went. Daddy's off at college. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. But then, uh, you know. Even even probably your your folks had uh, made some sort of wine like uh, my grandparent grandparents uh, my grandpa's dad the one that I traded the truck I I traded a knife for his original pickup I I found his original oh, pickup hey. and traded a knife for it and I have it and Jim yeah. and I have actually worked on it live on the podcast yeah. before yeah, funny yeah, cool. uh, the the uh, but but before you before you uh, go the uh, he, his family made elderberry wine. Yeah. And mm. so, I mean, everybody's family at some point did it. Yeah. 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 So it's... Just, yeah, my family did corn squeezings. Well, but... Yeah. See, the thing about the wine was... That sounds dirty. Those were good Baptist people, and you can't drink wine unless you made it. And, yeah. then, <laughs> you know, and then it was fair game. You then it was open, it. see, you know. So, you know, that's that's uh, that's the best explanation I can get. Well, why do y'all... Anyway. So... Are you make as your family recipe as good as some of the single malts from the old country? Of course mm. it is. Of course it is. <laughs> you just need to age it in the right barrel. Well, it's the last I brought up. It had been aged a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, no, that was actually one of my best friends, and uh, who shall remain nameless. But he, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Scotch drinker, and I love Scotch. Yeah. And. Uh, I, I'm not real experienced with moonshine. One time I had a big gold cup full of it, and I had I was like uh, we were camping, and I ended up holding up a tree for like three hours. <laughs> I didn't dare let go because that damn tree would have fell right over. <laughs> when, when I was in Kentucky, uh, of course, when you when you first meet people, if the subject of moonshine comes up, you know. I don't bring it up, but if somebody brings it up, they're like, "Oh, we would never do that." Never. No, no. And then after you know them for a while, then they'll then they'll tell you, and then they'll bring you some. Yeah. Especially if they figure out that you like it and appreciate it, then they're like, "No, mine's yeah. better than this theirs bed, by yeah. far." Look how smooth. Look at look <laughs> at this pretty blue flame. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. well, it, it is uh, funny, and, it, and if you're not experienced with it, you should really get just try it. Once or twice, and, and be careful though. Be and very careful. Now, if if they if, if somebody has a, a quart jar of moonshine and they also have a thing of like Hawaiian fruit punch, like the tin can, mm. watch out <laughs> because because what they'll do is they'll have like a red solo cup and they'll put a little moonshine in there and then put some of that juice in there. And the next thing you know. You stand up and fall right back. Yeah, down. My, my my experience yeah. was a was a um, uh, Krispy Kreme mug, and I was <laughs> I was talking to a guy for a little bit, and then he filled up my Krispy Kreme mug, and then after that he walked away. Another guy walked up, and I was leaning up against a tree while I was sipping it, and I was sipping it for like probably half an hour. Yeah, and I had about 
three quarters of the way gone, and he walked by, the original guy walked by again, and he filled my cup up again, and he did that like three times. <laughs> and literally, by the time I was finished with the third, so it would have been, you know, you know, you know, all honesty, probably about 16 ounces. Oh God, no! Of, oh, of moonshine, and it was, good and it was, it was so good, so smooth. Yeah, exactly, it didn't even. Yeah, there was no. You know, I didn't even think much of it, and I'm a pretty hardcore scotch drinker. I mean, I'll drink a bottle of scotch in a night, yeah. and this threw me for I have not ever been for a loop like that in a while, and I literally stopped drinking. I was like, like literally hanging onto the tree so I couldn't fall <laughs> over. I mean, it, was, it would have been bad. I'd have yeah. tipped right over. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. So the, I would have really enjoyed sitting by the fire. And of course, there's not any up here this weekend. No. Well, <laughs> you want to know something yeah. funny? There's a lot of moonshiners up here. Mm-hmm. There is a ton of them, but they're all like in the in the background. You never know who yeah. it is. I was at a big a big quote unquote family reunion about three weeks ago, and everybody there had their own recipe. You know, and it was funny because, you know, a couple of years ago we were at this family reunion and they were talking about apple pie. Everybody yeah. making apple pie. And, and then once somebody else come by and said, oh, mine is apple pie a la mode. And I was like, well, really? <laughs> and he's like, no, serious. And he pours me some. I take a sip. And I'll be damned if it didn't finish up with, like, vanilla ice cream on the end of it. I was like, you no, got to be kidding me. How <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Jim, check out how perfect the distal taper is on this blade. Look at how perfect that is. Perfect. Yep. So, everybody, check out uh, Jesse Hemphill Knives. Uh, if you're into the Moran or Skagel style. Yeah, just real traditional yeah. Scandinavian. Look, one thing, I don't do tactical. Yeah. That's not my thing. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad for people that do. That's just not my thing. I came at I came with this from, you know, uh, the blacksmithing background. You know, and I don't care. Forge, grind, it don't matter to me. Start removal, forge, it don't. It's just, this is where I came from. This is what I do, and this one. And I just love fooling with the fire. You know, mm-hmm. it's just something from the from the first time I ever did it. Yeah. I said, dude, this is it. Do you and do some coal stuff? Do, do I, you still do some coal stuff? You yeah, coal? yeah, I've got a coal forge, yeah. you know. Oof. But I use the gas right now because, you know, making the big billets. And right. I like to do, when I'm doing that, I want to set in and I want to do it all day and, you know, make steel. And, you know, I don't usually, I don't take a break or nothing, you know. And I just, I enjoy it, you know. So I've, I've been just, real fortunate. I just fortunate. got a coal forge. Yeah. Hand crank coal yeah, forge. I just sold a coal forge. <laughs> he just sold an industrial coal forge. Yeah. Ginormous one. Yeah, yeah, I've still got one. I I don't use it very often, but, you know, if, if, I, if there might be a special reason something, you know, might need. But, like, a, you know. like a demonstration. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so I've got plenty. In fact, the guy just gave me a 150-pound uh, 1937 Fisher Anvil, and the top is as smooth as Shut it. Shut up. He gave it to you. Gave it to me. Listen, every time I've turned around, it's like somebody say, hey, dude, here, you know, surface grinder, milling machine, uh, gas forge, uh, anvil. So somebody's kind of engraving looking at you. Engraving ball. Somebody gave me, not long ago, gave me an $800 engraving ball. Here, I'm not ever going to use this. Take it. And I've been looking all over for one. I can't explain it, you know. I'm just, hey, I'm thankful. I'm going to keep riding this wave as long as I can. But, Very nice. Uh, anything I can do for anybody, uh, you know, I do special order stuff, custom order stuff, you know, uh, 
try to have a few things right now. Uh, it'll be uh, at least a month before I get anything extra. So uh, again, so I'll have to ask you for something later. Okay. I don't want to tell. I don't want to give people the idea. Okay. <laughs> I got to ask you off the podcast. Anyway, yeah. so check out his stuff. Um, I'll yeah, try to put up a picture of. Uh, I'll have him pick out what he wants me to put on Instagram. And I'll put up a picture, and you can look at it, some of his work there. Yeah. It was right. nice having you on. Right. We'll, we'll have you on again. We'll All chat right. Thank you all. I appreciate yeah, this. Yeah, be good. And God bless everybody. Take care. Have fun. Yeah, bye. All right. Thank you So now, um, Jim and I were talking on the phone the other night, and uh, it occurred to me that there are more stewards than just Mike and Jim that work at Bark River Knives. Just and a couple. There's, that's true. Yes. <laughs> right. And we decided that uh, it'd be a good idea to feature the ladies' steward okay. from uh, Bark River Knives. And uh, we have... Uh, one, one, Jackie, why don't you... Tell us about yourself and what you do. And um, I'm Jackie Stewart. I am head of quality control in the company. I run a section of about six or seven people. I do the cleaning, etching, photography, boxing, and invoicing and shipping in the wow. company. That's a big hat. It is. Yeah. And it's she, a very big she, hat. She also has a number of women working under her. Six or seven. Six or seven, <laughs> yes. And um, so the reason I... Uh, wanted to bring you on is I've seen her I've been here on days when they're doing actual production right and I've seen knives come back to her station where I thought they were gorgeous beautiful knives and she would look at it for three seconds and find a flaw that I missed looking over it for like 15 minutes still over scratch pins like mm-hmm. yeah. polish all, all kinds of stuff that I even I make knives, and I cannot pick out the stuff that she picks yeah, she's out. She's got some great eyes. Yeah. Great eyes. It's experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you're so used to seeing it good that when there is a flaw, it's So you guys, have, you guys out. have been here since the the barn was 2001? 2001. Yes. Okay. So when did you come to this building? 2003. 2003. Is that what it was? Yeah. And you, in 2003, how old were you? 15. Were you 15 in 2003? When yeah. you first came here, you were 15? Yeah, oh, no. but I, I didn't start for a year until... Um, I started when I was 16. I started working here when I was 16. But I think we moved here and were here for a couple of months before I actually started working here. Okay. You started in this building then? Yeah, I started in this building. Okay. I you did never, not start you, in the barn. But you were sweeping at the stuff at the other barn. You was, you must have been doing something at the oh, barn. No, I, I find was, it hard to believe that you weren't doing something there. I was running the sporting clays range. At, yeah, at we, 15 and 14. Yeah. She was she was uh, at the sporting clays range. Loading traps. Telling men how to shoot guns. Yep. Three times my age. And she had got a, she got great pleasure in saying, dead, loss. And then the argument came and she said, no, I'm right. You missed that. No, no. You missed it. <laughs> I swear I saw a chip come off. No, 
Sorry. There was no chip. That's funny. <laughs> so now we have uh, Leslie. Yes. Okay, tell us tell us uh, what what your role is and a little about yourself. Uh, I think I think both of our roles is to make Mike look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's a huge thing. It it's is. It's a huge thing. Because he can be quite ugly without you, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> That's been, funny. We've been married. It's going to be 34 years next weekend. Mm-hmm. When did you get married? Was it the 27th? Tell me it's not the 27th. 25th. Mine's the 27th. i got to yeah. run to the store by the 25th. i got to get a present. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's been uh, designing knives since I met him. Um, he's uh, had a lot of experience. He's a history buff. And If you want to know about World War II tanks... Yeah, his, his hobby. Does he still have the dioramas? He yeah, does. They're, they're downstairs. <laughs> they're in the basement with a little man holding the artillery shell with a strained face. Yeah. Yes, he's, they're museum-quality di- dioramas. They're really well. nice. Um, he's, he's been uh, fascinated with weapons his whole life, so he knows a lot about guns uh-huh. and gunsmithing and, and, and knives. Um, well, what about you, though? So Me? what do you, you actually do? I mean, besides, we know you're an artist. Then you won well, some kind of major yeah. award. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like the big leg lamp. Yeah. Major award! <laughs> oh, I know. It's, it's amazing how life works out, and I'm not going to get philosophical, but I have... You can. A, a, well, it's, it's like everything falls into place, and there's nothing you learn that you're not going to use someday in your life. So early in my career, I was a certified paralegal, and after a year of sitting behind a desk, I didn't care how much education I had, I could not sit behind a desk. And um, then I went into retail management, and I did pretty good. Um, I worked for pennies for a number of years, and that was, I'm aging myself, that was in the recession of 1981 and 80. Oh, I remember those days. Yeah, and... <laughs> Mine was the only department in the largest store in Wisconsin made money. that made money. <laughs> and so I had great people who taught me how to run a retail business. And the principles Mike already had from previous experience, but the principles in running retail are the same as running any business. Right. The customer is king. And to the best of our ability, we, we try to please them. There's sometimes we have to say no. But uh, it's 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 our business philosophy. And and you actually here you do the book work. I do. You're the I one. I do the accounting. You, I'm the numbers th- person. <laughs> I'm the one that's saying we're not charging enough. You're the or, one that's yeah. saying this is what my car to cost per square just inch. per square inch. This is. Or uh, why did you buy that material for that price when you could have gotten it this place instead? That's right. You got to check the records before you think <laughs> you're getting a good deal. Um, we could have saved eight so, cents. So, so really, you're, you could be pretty much the one person that, that really has a good handle on the profitability of the way things get priced. And, yeah. And, and w- yeah. at the end. It's, it's always a decision between Mike and I. Mm-hmm. And I come to him with the costs, and we have a formula. And uh, uh, there have been times when I'd say after we're ready to assemble, we can't afford, because you already wrote advertise the price. We can't afford to make this night. Mm-hmm. And we make it anyway. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so over the years, we've gotten a lot closer so that, gosh, in the last year, we're within $10 what the price of a knife should be. Mm-hmm. So it's, I know what his argument is. He knows what my argument is. And you work together we for work the end goal. <laughs> so you don't have goal. the argument, and it just works out. That's yeah, right. We, just, we try to deal with the facts. Um, we have our jobs delineated. I do not tell him how to design a knife. I do not tell him how to treat our customers because I have faith in how he treats them. And he doesn't tell me how to do my books. And sometimes we cross paths. What? And we're oh yes, and we're very Never. we're very territorial about what we do. And so it's it's we cross paths. There's the the roar, and then then it's quiet. Then it's quiet. And Interesting. I'm, yeah. And so, so you've been you've been actually at this since you took a little hiatus when when Marbles was in play because you I don't think you worked there yeah, at I all did. did you? I did. Well, you did I, work there. I, when we set up the knife department in Marbles, I was the one who set up the assembly. I, I set up all of all of that. I did the accounting uh, to the, I did a sub accounting because I wanted to keep track the of the knife inventory. department. So I could I could tell a month ahead because I kept the inventory so tight there because mm-hmm. that was all I did that I could tell the guys that we were running out of like red spacers two or three weeks before we mm-hmm. were out of them mm-hmm. and they'd never had that before so I guess I must have missed you being there I was in the back and then and then uh, we got the sporting clays range and right now, now prior to that you were instrumental in blackjack yeah you were you were part of yeah. the obviously stop Part of part of the team, and and so it's just been an easy. You, you've known the knife industry probably as as much as anybody else. I love the knife industry. Yeah. I, I, everybody that we deal with, there's a few we won't deal with, but everybody that we deal with is wonderful. Um, they're helpful. And you guys are the you guys are part of the contingent that goes to Iwa show. Yes. Every year. Yes. Yes. Is it because you like Germany so much, or is it because you like the the show. It's a little of both. Germany is fun, but there's nothing like going to a giant expo yeah. and wandering around and seeing everyone else's stuff. I mean, at that show, they have everything from camping gear to dog collars to duck whistles and guns and knives and, and anything you can imagine. And even get within three feet of a bald eagle. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. They they've had live owls, live eagles. Really? Yeah. yeah. Are they tasty? Um, no, no. <laughs> oh, we can't now we're going to edit that out. <laughs> so one of the sports is having having raptor hunting, and they yeah. actually bring these oh, animals yeah, yeah. in, yeah, yeah. and they're very well behaved. Yeah. And people walk around in full hunting regalia with their hunting dogs and look at all the booths. And, and see hunting guns for $100,000. Oh, yeah. That's what I remember. Isn't that seen. amazing? Oh, yes. Like the brace of them for a half a million? <laughs> yeah. Get this much burrow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. $500. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. So, so what? What, what kind of? Um, I probably should have prescripted this. What? This all the questions and stuff that I was thinking about. Well, wait, they just come up. It's a conversational podcast. It's not you and well, I know, but I like to. Mm-hmm. It's all right if we jump around. We just got done talking for twenty minutes about moonshine. Very good moonshine, by the way. Extremely oh, yeah. good moonshine. Yes. I didn't get any. I've I have some at my house. I've okay. got some at the desk. I have here. I have two jars at my house still. Okay. Yes. Okay. We're gonna get into that yeah. later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not before the okay. Dinner, but after the. Dinner. Um. So. <laughs> so I had a. 
I have been uh, introducing Jim slowly to nerd games. And uh, he's like a pretty big fan of this one particular one. I'm not going to say what it is because I actually uh, brought Jackie uh, a nerd game. And she's going to love it. I probably will. We actually played will. it last night. We Did you really? It. Yeah, and Kathy likes it. My wife likes it. My kids hey. like it. Yeah. But, I'm uh, looking forward to playing it. Cool. Yeah, it's a real real easy-to-learn nerd game, and it's easy. It's a gateway. And so I, I made it for... <laughs> gateway. <laughs> uh-huh. Gateway into the harder nerding games like Dungeons & Dragons. Or uh, Puerto Rico. or Puerto Rico. Oh, you'd love it. Um, Humbly would. I love nerd games. Or Munchkin. You've played that I have yeah. Zombie Munchkin. Jackie was so popular in high school because she played played games. Oh, you were popular yeah. in high school. Oh, I was not oh, popular in high school. You played video games? It's, it's like that was she. I mean, she had every guy like. Well, I used to play. I used to play World of Warcraft, and I still yeah. have World of Warcraft shirts that I wear to work. Yeah. And one of our employees actually stopped me on break because I walked through, and he said, "Do you still play World of Warcraft?" Because I was wearing my my Blizzard shirt. And we yeah. talked for about twenty minutes about the different characters that we had and everything. Okay, so I gotta ask because a huge segment of our podcast are nerds like us. So like. Did you play Horde or Alliance? Oh, God. Alliance or Horde? I played Alliance, but I liked oh, Horde no. better. <laughs> oh, no. I, I liked the characters on on the Horde ones, but every server that I went on to, yeah. the people who played Horde were mean and awful yeah, and not and helpful. Yeah. And the people on the Alliance were so much more helpful. Like, hey, you need to clear this dungeon? Sure, we're not busy. Let's go clear it four yeah. times in a row. <laughs> Yeah, but the people on the horde side would be like, "No, screw you, you're well, on your own." They actually bought yeah. me World of Warcraft, and I was hooked on it for about yeah, two years. Too. Yeah, every time they release yeah. an expansion, I'll right, exactly. I'll buy it and play all the new content, and then quit till they release a new one. But that's that's cool. I didn't idea. like I, Pan- I didn't like Mr. Pandaria. I stopped like. just before that because I was in the beta for it, yeah. and it even just playing the beta, it just felt like it got to a point for me personally that it just felt like the same game. Yeah, yeah, well, and. Okay, what did you ever get to play uh, the Tournament of Champions dungeon? No. I is love it, that. Is that my are those games that you have to go like this? No, on the keyboard? No. No. It's more like it's more it's more like all over the keyboard instead okay. of one spot. Okay. Yeah, but you're moving you have and to, when you get to the higher level, you have to time what you're doing. With really other working as a group. Yeah, Jim did that. Yeah. He, he you did have a to lot go on, of those. On, I think he's been it's there. It's just like like raiding a house. You have to ha- you have your different teams Everything that go in to come at the right time and everything. I don't know if I should even share this, but when uh, in our old house in my office, I had five computers networked together, and we had an extremely high-speed internet connection. And myself, and my oldest boy, and my youngest boy, and two other of his buddies came, and we used to play some kind of a army game type game on there. Rainbow Six or something? No, well, it was not. It was it was something that was online. And it was um, Counter Strike. What is it? Counter Strike. No, no, it was like like Battlefield or something oh, like that. Oh, Battlefield. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was comical because they didn't. We had we were like part of a team, and and nobody knew that we were all in the same room. Because y'all had different handles and. Yeah, and we could we could talk to each other in the room. Ah. And nobody online could hear us talking. Everybody else had the headphones on and stuff. And we could talk on the headphones, too, but Mm -hmm. we could talk to all the guys in the room. Which is faster. And we would get together, and we would just kill everybody. (laughs) There was, was like, nobody that could... 
And they were like, how the hell do you guys do that? And we were like, well, I don't know, we're just it's really like, good? Because I'm 40 and you're 12. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. You know, I actually thought this good thing out a little yeah. bit. And, but it was, it was funny because we had like a T1 connection in, our, in my old office. And so we were, it could support five computers without any trouble. Nobody oh noticed God. any no lags lag, or no, anything. Oh and uh, it was it was really funny. And, and I had yeah. a, my my kids named me Badass Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so my nerd name was Badass Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I, I always choose really inappropriate character names. Like, uh, well, I'm not even, I'll, I'll tell you off the air. Okay, oh, you tell me, tell me later. They're that bad. I, I usually I usually went with non-offensive names. The one that I went by a lot was just Spleen. Yeah. It was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was easy to say, quick to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Who really talks about their Spleen when they're gaming? Yeah. <laughs> and actually, Spleens cause a lot of problems in people. They do. Yeah. They, they cause a lot of problems. Well, that's, that's funny. Uh, hey, thanks for being on the podcast. We're going to have you on again next time we're up. Uh, get an update on what you guys are up to. Okay. And uh, we just wanted to draw attention to the fact that there are more than two Stewarts. Yes. And there's there's a Lady Stewarts Club. That's right. And thanks for being on. Okay. Thank you so Thank much you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. We really enjoyed it. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, so so everybody we have on starts off pretty nervous, but then they uh, they loosen up over time. Um, it's really it's like it's like it's like a prison cell. Yeah, you loosen up over time. <laughs> okay, well that's something I'm gonna have to edit it out. So um, you know this is a it's a conversational thing. We just we'll talk about whatever. Um, we have uh, our final knife maker, final interview on um, Zochrist. How do people find you? Um, they can find me through my website, zochristknives.com, or anywhere on Facebook, or just type in Zochrist in Google and uh-huh. come up. It's unique. You probably come up right, like right on top. Yeah, I, I think I do. <laughs> so okay, so this is one of yours. Yeah, that was um, like I was. Telling him it was one that was when I was first learning. That's about six, seven years old, and uh, that was when I was first learning how to make slip joints. Wow! Um, and I'll, I'll have a picture of this on my Instagram. That's, that's the only knife he's got with him. It's a so. Dis- describe it. I would call that a folding hunter, almost a yeah. smaller version of a folding hunter without uh, uh, without a liner lock. It's a slip joint, uh, but it's a it's a single bladed. And it's a, actually a lot of knife. It's got Damascus bolsters, and that is, what kind of ha- scales are those? Is uh, that that's camel, bone. camel bone? Yeah, with potassium from manganite on it. Nice. nice. Um, most of them I do, I do with ivory or stag. Um, but for myself, I just, 
I wanted something, you know, it's a beater for me is what it is. Yeah. And, so. and the Damascus, uh, tell us about the Damascus. In that blade, in that, yeah. part, that that's a feather Damascus that I make. Um, it's beautiful. And it, and I, I love making feather Damascus. I make I make a fair fair amount of it. Uh-huh. Um, and then the bolsters on that is an exploded W. It's a four-way exploded W. Um, the back spring is cut out of the same bar that the blade was cut out of. So it's Damascus all the way back. Which, to me, is a testament for Damascus. People think, you know, or not everybody, but some people think it's a weak material. Right. Look at the, those, the the layers are going crossways. Right, right. That, if it was going to break, it's like the... This you're should, flexing it. You're flexing it this way. And it is, it's sticking together, and, it's, and that's, like I said, seven years old and it hasn't popped apart. So. Now... And I've made a lot of <coughs> slip joints. Um, I do integral slip joints. See where we have the stainless steel liners? Yep. Um, where the bolsters are yep, and where that liner is. I do it out of Damascus where I relieve where the handle material is going to go. So the bolster and basically the spacer is all Damascus, which looks really cool when you look at it on top and you're looking down the spine and you have your spring and it's just, it's, it's all Damascus and it all flows right down the blade. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is nicely, nicely done. Very nicely done. How th- I mean, this is a real gentleman's folder. That's what I call it. I call it I call it a gentleman's folder, and when you said a hunter, it's, it's a gentleman's hunter. Yeah, yep. It's something that, you know, you can... Like you a can, two, what is that, a two-and-a-half-inch blade? Mm, yeah, maybe oh, a, a, a tad two shorter. Two-inch, maybe? Oh, you you have a very easy way of measuring that, Jim. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so when you make your... <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> so it would be just the foreskin. <laughs> okay, so i got to beat that off. Uh, when, you, uh, when you make your Damascus, uh, do you have, like, a big auto hammer? Or? Yeah, I have a, um, I have a, I, I'm, I'm pretty much tooled up for making. I've been making uh, commercial Damascus. Um, I hurt my hand two years ago now, actually two years ago, the 20th. And um, so I went into full-time making Damascus. Okay. I was transitioning that way anyways. Um, I had a lot of requests for my Damascus, so I started making a little bit for other people, and pretty soon it, it, it blew up into a thing, and I decided to invest in some tools that would make it easier. Uh-huh. The Blanchard, the Rolling Mill. I have several presses. Um, I have a couple of air hammers. There we go. I um, five, right? So, yeah. And I, on my website, I have, you know, videos. Uh-huh. That show have a shop tour and, and also just a few little techniques how how I do it. This is two and a quarter, two and a quarter inch blade to the sharpening notch. That's cool. Yeah, this is very very nice. So where do you, where do you live? Where do you work? Right now we are in uh, just south of Asheville, North Carolina. Okay. Um, in uh, Flat Rock, which is you know how the hell come you didn't go to our PWIP? I didn't know about it. Didn't know about it. Huh. We, we used to go to uh, ah. south of... Uh, south of Asheville, Mar- Marion? Marion, yeah. It was west, yeah. It was yeah, west, west and, or east, east, of, east, east of Asheville like and south. Like you're going out to Statesville. Yeah. 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 And then right south there. a little bit, about 14 miles, seven, yeah, seven miles, I think, south of Marion. Was a, we used to go camping there every year for the last 14 years, so it would be like 90 people, all knife-related really? knuckleheads that go still, to it. Does this still go on? No, last year, this year was the last year, so we're going to start doing it up by us next year, cool. somewhere up here. Well, right. hopefully we'll get a lot of the same kind, of, same people coming. We're a good group of guys. Have you heard of uh, Terrell Hoffman? No. He's the knife photographer that does 
photographs? How else would you? Where, where he, would you he, find them? Uh, he has actually taken pictures for. Uh, nine, I think Knives Illustrated. Uh huh. And uh, and he's his stuff is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he does a lot of um, Terrell Hoffman photography. Is is where you can find him, but he he does really nice work. Yeah, yeah. But he he's kind of the it was on his kind of family place, and yep. and he was kind of the heart and soul of it. Um, but he's kind of sick of doing it. I see. So um, we're gonna do it next. We're year. gonna try to do it up here next year. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But uh, this is ninety this people is, camping out. This yeah, has got to like be a lot of fun. I, I, you know. This, this has got to be one of the most gorgeous fold, folders I've ever had in my hand. Thank you. It is awesome. That, that, that so, means uh, a lot to me. Everybody can can look on my Instagram feed, and you'll see a picture of it in my hand there um, to get an idea how big it is. Uh, it, it is just, it, it, this is artwork. Um, it is. It's, it's yeah. very nicely done. Very, very talented. I can't believe you handed it back to him. I was going to try to steal it. No, I was, well, I was going to steal it, too, if I didn't <laughs> hand it back. So. Um, uh, what else do you want to talk about? What, what do you do for fun? Uh, make Damascus. Make knives. <laughs> play with... I got a, no, I got you, a wife and a five-year-old and two-year-old. And they do you, uh, so you play with your wife, too? <laughs> she Actually, she, she was here... Was it in? She was in here. April? Uh, she wasn't here in April. We came up in May, the very beginning of May. I came up here um, for the the meeting that Mike had yep, in yep. April. Um, it was the first time I ever met Mike, and it pretty much changed my world. When I went home, Mike and I started. Uh, Mike was kind of mentoring me through designing a a, um, a production line. Emailing back and forth, and um, I said, "Man, I just wish I was sitting next to you." And he goes, "Well, get up here." I told my wife, we jumped in the car the next day, we drove up here, and we stayed in Mike, with Mike for eight days, and I mean, I, him and Leslie is just amazing, you know, how much energy he put into that, and uh, just really got us going, so mm-hmm. um, he, he's it's like, like it's, a granddad to my kids now, I mean, it's, it's like just, investing in yeah, the future, yeah, which yeah. is, it's a big deal for him, he, he likes to do that, yeah. Um, do you make fixed blades also, or no? Yeah, you do. Mo- that's mainly what I make is fixed blades. Okay. Um, I do these um, just as um, as one-offs, um, which I, I am going to get into a production line of them soon. But um, I make uh, tactical slip joints. Um, tactical slip joints. I make a, um, a frame lock, liner locks, TI handles, machined. Um, so I do. What, what are you do running for a mill? Um, I have a. A little manual mill, uh-huh. and I also have a, a CKX3. It's a little CNC mill. Okay. Um, it's not like the little tabletop ones. It's it's a one step up. It's not it's not quite the the hobbyist, but it's definitely not a professional. It's a small uh, little machine. It's a 15 inch table. So. Your little manual mill is that how you started making the slip joints and stuff? Yeah, we, yeah, with just a little cheap Harbor Freight drill press, you know. Nice. So, yeah. <laughs> and you were able and to then do I got that a Harbor Freight that. milling machine, and then yeah. I bought this other one. So cool. Interesting, huh? And yeah. I have a I have a, a Kearney Trekker number three, you know, big old uh, mill, and I got a Milwaukee number four, which I don't use, but I, I love old iron and old tools, so I've collected a lot of things and. That's kind of one of my weaknesses, and that's why my wife, I'm always saying we need a bigger place. She needs to tell me, she keeps telling me i got to stop collecting tools, 
So we have to compromise Tim, somewhere. You know Tim Zawada? I know the name. Okay, so so Tim Tim's kind of like that. He has a, a small mill and uh, makes Damascus, and he's got like an old steam hammer uh-huh. that he converted over to run off of air. Maybe I have heard about that. I've it's heard a freaking about humongous. It's like the biggest. I don't think a knife maker in the country has got a bigger steam hammer than or a bigger hammer than he's got. He has Somebody to, was telling he has me to about notify that. the seismic. People. Yeah, that he's turning <laughs> it on. No, he, for real. He he, he, he puts no, yeah. it he puts wow. it on and uh, he it runs off a V eight engine compressor rotary compressor. Wow. That he runs it with. Wow. And he turns that and he he What's I don't remember how I think the, the concrete hole. He dug a hole like 30, 12, 30 feet deep of uh, steel reinforced think, concrete. I don't think it was 30. It, maybe I think it was. It was. Maybe, I think, cause, maybe cause, 30 yards. Yeah. It was, I, I think it was 12 feet deep mm-hmm. by whatever, however big this. I mean, it's like a, it's like this room wow. size, wow. And, but it's really deep. But I don't remember if it's. But I thought it, I thought it was 30 is, feet. Do you know what the ram weight on it is? I, I don't. I don't know. But I tell you what, Massive. it's not. He's got to be careful because he can move cold steel. Wow. With it. You know that's how. Yeah. That's how. But when he's when he fires that puppy up and she's swinging, you right. are, are like, oh my god! You feel everything move. And where is he from? He he's like 14 miles from my house. Oh really? Yeah, he's down I'd by Petoskey. Some, yeah. Sometime we're gonna we're, we we're actually to go. gonna make a shop visit. Yeah, yeah, to him yeah. because he's he's an interesting character and he really knows Damascus. He really knows bladesmithing and heat treating that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant when it comes to that. That's kind of But he's I, got the biggest freaking drop hammer I've ever I'm seen anywhere. It. <laughs> it's huge. It looks like it belongs in a museum. I mean, that's how big it is. And that's kind of where I've gotten um, my recognition more so in these last couple of years is through my Damascus. Yeah. Um, so, which has really, really helped. You know? Are you at liberty to name names? Of people that I supply? You I need names. Yeah. I, <laughs> William Henry, Protect. Yeah. Um and you know Clinton right. Middleton uh, he's a, he's a kitchen knife maker uh, Brandon McFarland uh, a lot of guys uh, Joey Cordova um, Andrew Griggs um, so quite so quite a few makers that are yeah, pretty well known yeah uh, uh, yeah and, and and some some large companies and um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to supply the people that have been loyal with me there's probably about thirty of them. But I'm going to scale back a little bit because with this new production line coming out and, and we've we've got some some really good uh, interest with Derek and so he's going to be carrying them. So most of that Damascus that I'm going to be making, I'm going to be using on my own on my own stuff. Sweet, so, sweet. Yeah, so it's it's uh, it's really exciting. So it's our friend Derek from Knife Ship Free. Yep, yep, yep. He was a podcast sponsor for quite a few mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, once again, how can people find you? Uh, you can look on my website. It's zochristknives.com. That's Z-O-E-C-R-I-S-T. Yep. No H. Um, and also on Facebook. I have a business page and uh, a regular page. And I'm learning Facebook, so if I just said something that sounded stupid, it's because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> business page or personal page. I just know I have two pages. <laughs> so. Are you allowed to have two pages? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Oh. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Violating policy. Violating Facebook <laughs> policy. You name now, names. Now I want to I want to draw some attention. Uh, yeah. One of the things that we've <clears throat> talked about on the podcast before is if you want to be a successful knife maker, you're friendly. Yes, gotta be knife. 
Nice. <laughs> well, yeah. And, well, no, you said if you wanted to be a successful nice maker. Nice he maker. He, he said nice, though, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, so I had a... Uh, I had a uh, That's exactly cup. why I said no. You got to be nice. I, got a, I had a, uh, a slip part. there, but um, yeah. the, the point being, uh, all of the guys that we've had on here are successful, uh, not only because they do quality work, because there's a lot of people that do quality yeah. work, but they're asshats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, like, the guys that really rise to the top and make the connections and will sell more stuff than they can ever make are the nice guys. So how do we explain Ron? <laughs> Ron's nice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, one thing about the knife community that I wanted to say, um, yes, and, and now I actually have this form where I'd like to say this, is that when I hurt my hand, um, uh, Lon, Van Barnett, and uh, Josh Dabney and a few other guys came together and, and put together a benefit for me. Mm-hmm. People from all over the world bought knives, bought handle material, and I remember laying in the bed and in the hospital, and my wife is first thing in the morning. She's always checking the Facebook, and people are like, "Hey, man, keep going. You know, we're, we're we're rooting for you. We're praying for you." And it would bring me to tears because I didn't know that. First of all, I didn't know that I was known. I didn't know that people cared about me. People raised twenty-four thousand dollars for us. If we didn't have that money, I would have sold my equipment and had to go out of business. Yep. So although I didn't use my equipment for about six months, I was able to keep it. You know, we had to move. We lost the little house, we, all that stuff. But we were able to keep the tools, which is what makes my income now. So I almost want to just, like, say thank you to the knife community, you know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, it's been a blessing, and um, here we are. So where did it. you stick your hand where it wasn't supposed to be? Between two rolls. That'll do it every single time. My hand got caught and it was sucking me into. I mean, I it it pulled me this way, this way, and I took my left hand and hit my arm, and degloved my fingers, and um, so from then it was a life bloody flight, everywhere, blood like everywhere. Tourniquet, drove myself to the hospital. Life flight to uh, Roanoke, Virginia, where they did the reattachment and all that, and yeah, a lot of recovery. And they didn't work. I mean, they were like straight locked like this up until about Christmas, December of this year. And I was forging. I took off my glove one day. I used to always hold everything like this. took off my gloves and they were curled up. And I thought, shit, if they can if they can curl like that, then they can make Work. a grip. And I just started every night just sitting there mashing. Yeah. Every time I wasn't doing something, I wasn't, I was just sitting there mashing my hand. And now, I mean, they work. That's that's my grip. You know, I mean, it doesn't come down, and I don't have any feeling, but they don't hurt. And all of a sudden, in January, like, they just stopped hurting. It used to feel like rubbing a fresh wound in broken glass and honey is what it used to feel like, you know. Because yeah. all I had to do was that. Yeah, and just, I asked Leslie. The pain went away. They started bending, and so I'm, cool. I'm back at it. I'm ready to go. Awesome. All right. That's a good success story. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a... It's, it's a, it's a, it's a a real moving time, real eye-opening time. And, and part of the thing is, you know, I, I taught myself, you know, everything. I started making Damascus when I was 16 years old. We lived way out in the desert. There was no Internet. There was no – I had a blade magazine that had Taigu in it, and I had the book Decorative and Sculptural Ironwork, a little short chapter on Damascus. I used to make my own charcoal by burning manzanita, burying it in mud, digging it up, and – um, so, you know, truck leaf springs, saw blades, anything I could. I just love sticking metal together. And um, 
Just what were you, what were you, how were you doing it back then? What were you using for a... Uh, hair dryer and a brake drum, coal. Oh, wow. I forged in coal. Well, then he made the coal. <laughs> yeah, made I forged in coal until 95, um, and, uh, oh my goodness, it was later than that. It was 98. I met Don Fogg in uh, 1999, and he... He's quite a character. Yeah, and I, I went guy. up and did my intro, the ABS class with him, and stayed with him. Up there for two weeks, um, and and I still call him, you know. Yep. But when I when I was first learning, when the internet first came out, I was looking for a book, and somehow I ended up on his website, and he had a phone number, so I called him. I just called him, and I said I was looking for this book. He said he makes Damascus. So I said, oh, that's cool. And then I, but I didn't know who Don Fogg was, and so we talked, and he, I was like, oh wow, this guy knows a lot about this stuff. <laughs> so we kept talking, and then finally I decided to Google Don Fogg. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, this is like Damascus. This is like the grandfather of Damascus. He's <laughs> yeah. like, I can't even believe this. Yeah. And when I went up and took my class, I took my intro class in 2009. And when I walked into that classroom, he just put up his arms and he walked across the room. He gave me a big hug. I'd known him for 10 years, but I'd never met him. You know, so it was it was really yeah, he's, cool. He's a nice guy. Yeah. Just a nice guy. The, yeah, nicest man. I mean, he would... I'd call him nine, ten o'clock at night, and he would just talk to me about about you know steel, about forge construction, and and he's very I, I relate to him. He comes from kind of an artist, kind of philosophic, almost esoteric place with that, you know, and and I and I kind of related to that. So we got along really good, and he was he's been uh, was a huge influence for me. But before that, I was just learning on my own, you know, so. Um, you know, See, I think and, of that. I think of that part of of this business as like the soul of the business. If without that, you don't really have much of a knife maker, right? You know, but you need that. You need that part, that soul. Yeah. And then the rest of it comes can fall into place. But without that soul, yeah. So much. it's one of those things you can teach somebody how to make a knife. You can and and but if if they don't have that. They won't have that aesthetic. Yep. You know, they won't have the right line. Yep. You can't you can't teach soul. Right. You can teach exactly. somebody how to grind. You can teach exactly. somebody how to draw. You can do all that. Unless you're you Aretha. No. Aretha Franklin could teach soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> now, I, I have one other question. When you were working with the hair dryer and the brake drum, mm -hmm. uh, what uh, what were you using to, to fuse the metal? A hammer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Um, ball peen hammer. Just Gosh. You know, I'm I, iron. I, I tried yeah. and failed. <laughs> I could not hit it hard enough. Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually take much heat. It, I mean, take much. It, it's, it's, it's heat and pressure. I mean, yeah. if it's the you get, all you got to do is. <laughs> if you get it at the right temperature. If you get the right temperature. And if you get them, you know, ground and they're clamped and, and tack welded, those things will almost weld together in the forge. I've had two billets, you know, and two different billets, and they'll if they they were touching, and I went to pull it out, and I couldn't get them apart because they, they fuse together. It's all about temperature and time and pressure. Yeah. So it's a, yeah, man. It, I, I tell you, it did take me a long time. I had a yeah. friend that um, her father owned a metal recycling place in Chicago, and he used to send me these big chunks of uh, pure nickel that they uh, used in sinks, you know, or one yeah. of the elements or something. I mean, these things were like a quarter-inch thick, and they were like these four-by-four four square plates, and so I would actually forge that stuff down, and then I would, you know, cut it with a chop saw and grind it and take that and put it between truck leaf springs and... I think a lot of times it didn't stick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Harder. 
But yes. it taught me about it. And it actually, you know, I've, I, I was recently using, um, doing all fluxless welds because I, I built some uh, uh, some new burners on my forge. And if you got that atmosphere just right, you have a rich atmosphere so there's no oxygen in there, you can do it without flux. But I'll tell you, flux makes it a lot easier. And if you run into an issue and, and you're trying to do it fluxless, um, I don't know where you got an inclusion or you got some kind of crap in there. Flux is really the only way you're going to do it. So I just went back to flux, you know. Yeah. But flux tears you, up the forges you use, and do you, all that. Do stuff. you use soap, borax soap? Um, if if I run out of For, anhydrous. Forty mule team yeah, borax soap. I usually try and order like anhydrous. Um, it, it looks kind of like sugar, and when it when it hits the metal, it goes and melts into this beautiful glass. When you take 20 meal team and you put it on, there's like, yeah, and it's all like, it's got all that other shit. Up and the shit's going, <laughs> that's going everywhere. So, that's, yeah. that's what that's what Tim uses. Was a lot of a lot of a lot. But of it that. works. Yeah. Have you, have you seen? It's that? cheaper than everything else. Very so cheap. I'm gonna I'm gonna go off topic for just a second. Have you ever seen any Game of Thrones? <laughs> no, actually, but a guy, um, Joey Cordova, just did a knife out of my sand mine. I also make sand mine, Mocha Mabe. He did a, uh, a knife out of my sand mine, and he took pages of Game of Thrones yeah. and casted it in clear resin and for the guy he wanted that specifically. So that's my only knowledge of Game of Thrones. All right, so uh, this is – so I, I – Jim and I have kind of recurring things that we say or do on the podcast, and I always have to explain it. So you are the lucky guy that gets this explained, because right. for the next few years, we're going to be doing this. Okay, so season five, episode ten. There's a main character in there named Cersei, and she's kind of an evil queen or whatever. Okay. And uh, they forced her to walk naked through the town while people were throwing stuff at her. And they had this old lady walking behind her going, shame, 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 and ringing a bell. And so, like, Jim goes off on rants, and I rant a lot on different things. Um, and we cut out most of the ranting, but sometimes I'll leave it in. But We're going to start putting that shame Yeah, in. if we if we're mad about something, we're going to put in shame with the little bell after it. And so that's where... Shame. The Game of Thrones. Yeah, so from now on, if you hear that, okay, like that's where that came from. Okay. So, and and we actually explained it first to Zoe Christ. Yep. All right. All right. That's so, cool. I I didn't realize that you had that much history. That you went back to Taigu and Blade and. Yeah, if uh, I I know, but on my uh, website, which actually we're in the process of redesigning right now, updating and all that, but that's a reoccurring thing, you know, with, yeah. with websites. We're in the process of redesigning. That's like. Like the most common thing people say about websites. Yeah. We're in the process of redesigning. Because every time you look at it, you're like, oh, I wish it was this. And then you do what you wish. And then you've evolved and you've changed and, and you want to do it differently. But I have a just a little brief history on myself. Um, I have an about section. Talk about my kids. I talk about – I've also done pen and ink artwork, um, iron sculptures. Um, so I love metal, anything having to do with metal, whether it's welding, machining. The pen and ink – Market is not like the knife market, is it? No. Oh, I never made any money doing. <laughs> doing <laughs> and you know, and it's funny because that's what the, people will see your pen and ink stuff, and they'll go, "Oh my God, that's but I won't pay a dime for it." Yeah. <laughs> no matter what, it's how good it is, it right. doesn't matter. I'm not paying a dime. For I remember it. Uh, somebody, uh, an old guy, told me this story about. Uh, I think it was an analogy, but Vincent Van Gogh sitting in a. Um, 
uh, a cafe. And this woman comes up and says, oh, you know, I love your work. Will you do me a, a drawing? You, could you doodle on this napkin for me? Oh, sure. So he goes, come back in 20 minutes. So he does a little drawing. And she comes back and says, oh, can I give you something for that? And he says, yeah, you can give me $20,000. <gasps> she got all insulted. How dare you? I tw- it took you five minutes to do that. And he said, yes, my dear, but it took me a lifetime to get here. You yeah. Know? And that's what it is. And when people, you go to shows and people say, I'm not going to pay four or $500 for that. I could go over there and get that one for $25. Go ahead. You know how long it took me and, and what it takes to make Damascus and what it takes to make a knife? And the skill and the everything. And, and, and a lot of people me. don't realize how much that. I mean, especially when you see stuff that comes in from Pakistan, and and they they look at it and we're all cringing at it, and it's like eight dollars. Yeah. You know, you're like going, well, yeah. you know, and it's. I mean, it's no good. It's not. There's nothing. The only thing is, it has a look. That's yeah. all it does. Is it has a look. Well. And when you look at the picture, you're like. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's Damas- it is Damascus, and it's got stag handles, and it's got... And it's $8. And you're like... <laughs> <laughs> well, because they have, like, three-year-olds right. forging it, you know, yeah. and eight-year-olds that are... Yeah. That's ridiculous, yeah. but yeah. there there is a lot to make in Damascus, and I, if you've not had a chance to really... You really should look into it, and... Yeah. and uh, it's have, amazing. If you on the website again, it has. I have a little video, um, three videos about how to make Damascus. Not how to, but how to, how I make Damascus. And it's chopped up, and you can see all the processes. And um, there's a lot that goes into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's definitely. You know, you're looking at at four to six hours. You know, just for you know a small piece. And if you're going to do any mosaics, you're you, you're going into days. You know, between cool downs and cuts. On on the stuff that I make. I have about between a 60 and 70% material loss. So, and, and sometimes greater than that. Usually like on a 12-pound billet, I'll get three pounds out of it. You know, so you're talking, you know, stacking up a, a big old billet. When you're done, you may have 40 inches, you know, an eighth of an inch thick, two inches wide. So, so the, the loss, the time, there's just a lot that goes into it that I think... You know, people just don't realize. They yeah. don't have a concept of it. And it'd be great to, for the people that are interested to educate themselves about it because it'd give you a whole lot of respect for the art form, the people that do it, the material. Yeah, because so. most of the people that that in the knife industry anymore are doing pretty much stock removal. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that even if you're that piece of Damascus that they're doing stock removal on had to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it really is. It takes a lot. It takes yeah. a lot. Yeah. Well, thanks a bunch for being on the podcast. Yep, really appreciate, appreciate it. it. And uh, Jim, how do they find us? Okay, you can. Um, I'm going to go through the litany. You can like us on Facebook. You can friend us, James Dinoka or K R Versti. Yep. And we tend to say yes unless you're uh, once again the Russian dating service dating model. service yeah model. We usually don't friend those people. Um, you can come and visit us on the forums at uh, knifejournal.com. You can email us at podcast at knifejournal.com. And what else? Uh, that's about it. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so until next time, we're going to sign off here from Bark River at the Grind In from the June Grind In 2015. And uh, keep your friends sharp. And your knives sharper. Oh, no, no, that's not how you say it. Keep your knives sharp, your friends sharper, and your brain sharper yet. And go outside and play. Go outside and play. Bye.